Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Thank you so much for being at the house of God today. Can you just put a big amen on that? Just great to see you. But I want to talk to you about uh, lessons from the His story of a heel grabber. In fact, uh, we're in our His story series, and the Old Testament says He is coming. The Gospels say He is here. The book of Acts says He has come. The epistles say He is Lord, and Revelations declares He's coming again. History then is his story. Everything in the Bible either leads up to his coming or explains the meaning of his coming and the promises that he is going to come again. You know, Jesus uh, is all the way through scripture. Uh, if you were gonna put a pr uh, proper term to that, it would be uh, Christology. In other words, that Christ is not only the centerpiece of the Bible, but he is the beginning. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus refers to 20 different Old Testament uh, characters. He quotes from 19 different books. He refers to the creation of man, the institution of marriage, to the history of Noah and of Abraham in the book of Genesis, to the appearing of God to Moses in the fiery burning bush, as Whitney was talking about, to the manna from heaven in relationship to him being the bread of life, come down from heaven as the living bread, to the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. He refers to the ceremonial law for the purification of lepers and to the great moral law that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, both contained in Leviticus. He goes on in the book of Numbers and talks about the brazen serpent and the law regarding vows. In the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus defeated the devil, not with a manifestation of his divine glory, nor by a power which we cannot possess, but he spoke the word because he is the word. In fact, you go through the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and that the earth was without form and it was full of darkness and it was void. And the first act of God was he said, let there be light and there was light. Fast forward to John, the first chapter. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the same was in the beginning. It was all about God. He was the light of the world and that light shined into the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons and daughters of God, even everyone that calls on the name of the Lord. So we go from God declaring light in Genesis 1 to Jesus becoming the light, not just the spoken word, but the living word. And then we fast forward to Revelations, the first chapter and the first verse. And it says, this book is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the Greek, the apocalypsos Christos. In other words, from beginning to end, this is about the unveiling of the divine mysteries of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. Amen. And so all through scripture, Jesus is being unveiled. Jesus is being revealed. You see, when he was tempted of the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, 
The devil, the Bible says, came to him. He hadn't eaten nor drank for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil says, if you really are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Jesus could have manifested some divine power or, or, or just totally overcome the devil or disregarded him. But he didn't do that. He spoke out of Deuteronomy 8, 3. And he didn't just say something randomly. He said, you know what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, Jesus overcame not just because he was the word, but because he spoke the word. It's a message to us that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And that according to revelations that we overcome the same way Jesus did. Every temptation, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, that there is no temptation that will ever take you but that is not common to man, but that God provided a way of escape. And again, back to Revelations, that it's the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. Jesus was confronted by the devil and he took him up to a high mountain. And he said, hey, if you really are the son of God, then throw yourself off this mountain. God will give his angels charge concerning over you. You know, at that point, Jesus just could have levitated. He was the ultimate rocket man. He was the ultimate superhero. At that moment, just with one blast from his mouth or nostrils, he could have obliterated the devil forever. But he didn't do that. He was giving us a pattern to follow. He spoke the word of God. And he spoke again out of Deuteronomy. And he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then the Bible says that the devil took him up to a high pinnacle of the temple and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And this is found both in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 of the Gospels, this account of the gospel and the temptation of Christ. And the devil said, why don't you just bow down and worship me? Now you can read that and you think, I mean, is Jesus Christ, God's son, really going to bow down and say, hell to you, Satan? That's not what Satan was saying. You see, the same temptation of Christ is the same temptation that you and I have. In other words, when we see our life, when we see the good, the bad, and the ugly, here's our greatest temptation, to settle for less than what God has for us. And so really what Satan was saying is, don't not bow down and worship me, but what he was saying is, put anything and everything that you see before God. And that's what gives me worthship rather than God worthship in your life. You see, Jesus is unveiled throughout all of scripture. And even when he spoke in the New Testament, he spoke from the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament of the Bible, the New Testament is concealed. But in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. And it's all a story, it's all a book about one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 5, verses 17 through 18, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. He was having a conversation one day and they were just kind of railing him, you know, the, the religious leaders. And they said, and, and Jesus spoke to them and, and, and he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And the Jews said, 
what do you mean? You're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He went on to say, Moses wrote of me. David called me Lord. In fact, Jesus began his public ministry in the synagogue of Nazareth with the words from Isaiah the prophet. And here's what he said in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If you've got a broken heart today, God knows exactly where you are. And by the way, if your heart hadn't been broken yet, don't worry, it will be. Jesus went on to say to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to give liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he began to say today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In Matthew 22, Jesus said, you know what? You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. They were again debating with him. And he looked at them, he said, you don't know these scriptures and therefore you don't know the power that you have. And I wanna say this to you today, church family, you've gotta know this book or you don't know the power of God in your life. You've gotta know that it's more than just about being a good person. It's more than just about coming to church. The Bible says faith, believing that God's way is better than yours, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And once we begin to get the word of God planted in the soil of our spirit, we can do like Father Abraham did and we can speak those things that are not as though they were and what we say comes forth. Why? Because it's not our words, we're speaking the word of God. The Bible goes on to say this, concerning the resurrection of the dead, we want to know, what do you mean resurrection from the dead? You've said something about that you're going to die and you're going to rise again in three days. Here's what Jesus said. Have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but he is God of the living. And then finally, we'll get more into this next week. But an angel appears to a teenage girl named Mary and says, don't be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And then I want you to notice this last verse. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Today, the history of a heel grabber. You see, compared to Abraham, his faith was not as great. Compared to Joseph, his worldly achievements were much less. He was not the greatest man in the Old Testament, but he certainly belongs close to the top of the list. Others did more perhaps, but no one left such an indelible imprint for generations to come based on his fingerprint as Jacob did. Where does Jacob, the heel grabber, fit into all of this as it relates to his story? First of all, he is the fifth link in the chain, the son of Isaac, the father of Judah. You say the fifth link, what does that mean? Well, there was Abraham, 
There was Isaac. And then there was also an Ishmael. And then there was Jacob. And then there was also an Esau. In fact, let's get to that part of the story because not only is Jacob mentioned in the genealogies of Matthew 1 and Luke 3 in the Gospels, but he foretold the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. And I'm going to talk about this next week, how at the end of his life, he called all of his sons together, the 12 tribes of Israel. The reason we're sitting here today is because God used a dysfunctional family to birth his kingdom. We'll talk more about that family next week. But if you've got a little dysfunction going on in your family, you're in good company. And how many of you know we need God? All of us need God. But the great thing is we're sitting in a room today, not necessarily with family of origin, although some of our origin might be around us and with us, but we're sitting here with a family of choice and God's given us a chance to do family right for the glory of God. Jacob the heel grabber. Why a heel grabber? That's what his name means. Let's look at scripture. Genesis 25. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. I want to stop right here and talk to the men. Men, everybody say yes. yes. I want you to see a truth here. He pleaded for his wife. He prayed for his wife because she was barren. Here's what the Bible says. And the Lord granted his plea. And Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Men, can I just encourage you to do something? It's great to work hard. Good. It's great to provide for your family. Good. It's great to even bring your family to church. Good. It's great to put God first with your finances. Good because you're going to bring a blessing on your family for generations to come. But you know what God says? He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. Can I just tell you that woman that God gave you is a reason why God will put his hand of favor on your life. So many times we can think it's our education. So many times we can think it's because we're so smart. No, 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 no. Not he that gets a good education obtains favor with the Lord. Not he that's a good man obtains favor with the Lord. But he that finds a good woman finds a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. Am I talking to some men today who've got some favor on your life because of that woman? Well, guess what? When you start treating them like that, one of the first things that you can do, and I want to remind you to do, is pray for them. And to see yourself like Pastor Sheila sees me. In fact, if I were to ask her, Sheila, how do you see me? One of the ways that she would describe me is, God put you, Keith Craft, in my life to help make my dreams come true. She would tell you that, am I right? Could I hear an amen? Is that the truth? And I say that all the time to who? To you. (laughs) What if indeed, men, listen to me, that God put that woman in your life so you could have a heart like God towards her, that whatever her dreams are, 
that you actually take that before the Lord and you plead to God on her behalf and then you do your part to make every dream that she has to come true. What if that could be one of your primary roles in life because God wants to show you something. If you can do that for his daughter that he's entrusted you with, you can do that for your kids that he's entrusted you with. If you can do that for your kids that he's entrusted you with, you can do that for your boss that he's entrusted you with. You mean I can make my boss's dream? Oh yeah, see, most men don't think like that. They're thinking, I want my boss to make my dreams come true. But you see, when you're a man who walks in favor, it doesn't matter what the title or the position is on the door or on the desk. You walk into a room and you walk with favor and guess what you are? You're not just a dreamer, you're a dream maker. You make people's dreams come true and when you start doing that for your wife and your kids and your family and you realize that God has put this tribe together because I'm the one that he's put in a me- given a measure of rule and a favor and a, an ability and a responsibility as a son of God to make rain happen, to make miracles happen, then I can do that in any sphere. And when I walk into his house and when I gather together with my family of choice, maybe God's put me here to make God's dream come true for what he wants to do in this family. That's a drop the mic, but this is really expensive, so I wanted to go down. (laughs) Men, God didn't make you to be insecure. He didn't make you to be focused on your ego as it relates to how much money you make or what your position is. He that findeth a good woman findeth a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. And as you treat her, so you treat God. And so his favor comes on your life, a divine assigned advantage for success that nothing can stop. Not only you from making other people's dreams come true, but from God making your dreams come true in the earth because you're a son of the living God. Now, ladies, let me talk to you for just a minute. I'm sorry, first of all, There is no scripture for you. You say, what does that mean? I don't know what all it means, except this tells me that God is more male than female. Because he doesn't say a woman will find a prince that will make all of her dreams come true. He gives you no encouragement about the man, but here's what he wants you to know. That man that you align yourself with will never be the man that he could be without you being the daughter of God that he's called you to be. And that's the truth. Women are our encouragers. Women are our greatest cheerleaders. Women are our helpers. I could just talk about that, but I didn't come today just to talk about that. I just wanted to stop in the name of love and talk about that just for a second. All the men repeat this after me. Say, God, bring an awareness for me not to be a man that just needs my wife praying for me 
but that I plead and pray for her that she doesn't just encourage me, but I encourage her. And God, you will answer all my prayers. And he will. If he can make a barren woman get pregnant, he can make whatever dream business that you have on the inside of you come to pass because you join your heart with God's and you lift your wife up. Okay, enough about that. If you got it, men, say, I got it. Quit working so hard and not praying for your wife. That's a word. So Rebecca conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? Have you ever felt like that in life? Why am I feeling like this? Like, things are, this is supposed to be better. So she went and she inquired of the Lord. By the way, when things aren't well with you, it's good to talk to God about it. And the Lord said to her, there's two nations in your womb. Isn't that every woman's dream? I just thought I wanted to have a baby. No, 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 there's nations. Here's the point. It's never just about your boy or your girl or your boys or your girl or your children. They are God's children that are born through you for great things and to advance his kingdom in the earth. By the way, God says, two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. This is God now speaking to her. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. And he was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. And afterwards, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel coming out of the womb. Everybody say heel grabber. His name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew. Esau grew up fast, was a skillful hunter a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents, playing video games. <laughs> Didn't go outside much. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Let's look at just a few lessons and then we'll be through. First of all, if we're going to learn the lessons of his story from this heel grabber, Jacob, here's number one. You need to grab your birthright. Some of you don't even know you've got a birthright. Nobody's ever taught you you've had a birthright. But you have a birthright. You see, very quickly, the story picks up, and here's what happens. Jacob is the cook. Jacob likes to be home. Jacob is the mama's boy. Any mama's boys here? Don't raise your hand. Because, <laughs> see, sometimes mama's boys grow up and they want to be mama's boy with their wife. Anyway, I won't talk about that. We'll wait for the men's conference. It's a few months. But, so here's Jacob. He's mama's boy. He's mama's favorite. He's cooking. He's, Esau's out, man. He's, he's hammered down. He's hunting. He's hunting, fishing, loving every day. I mean, he is getting it. 
like my friend Luke Bryan. And he comes in and he is famished. He is starving. He is like just so hungry. And Jacob has this stew that he's cooking. He says, give me some of that stew. And Jacob looks at him and said, I will for your birthright. Oh, you say, what is birthright? What, what, what does birthright mean? Listen, the birthright emphasized in the Bible is about the honor of, of the rights and privileges of the family's firstborn son. After the father died or in the father's absence, the firstborn son assumed the father's authority and responsibilities. In addition to assuming the leadership role of the family, the recipient of the birthright inherited twice what the other sons received. He also became the priest and prophet of the home. So here's what happens. Esau's the firstborn. Now, just by a little bit, he comes out of the womb and Isaac has his heel grabbing a hold of him as they're coming out. Now, remember what God said before they were ever born. There's two nations on the inside of you. One is going to be stronger than the other. Well, yeah, that's obvious. Esau, yeah. No, no, no. You don't understand. The older is going to serve the younger. So all growing up, here's some of the conversation between the mama and the son. You know, God gave me this word. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm not sure this has ever happened in history, but there's going to be some kind of birth order reversal where your older brother's going to serve you. I don't know what that, anyway, I know he's got the birthright and all that. And I'm sure your father, you know, they've got all that figured out. I just know what God spoke to me. So Jacob's going, okay, okay, whatever. So she goes, just be aware of that. So all of a sudden, Esau comes, he's hungry, he's starving, he's famished, he's, I need some food. And immediately, why would Jacob think, I want your birthright? Because his mama had been telling him what God told her all along. Now, y'all, I grew up in church. I grew up in church, and I'm telling you, Jacob has gotten a bad rap. He's a subplanter, he's a liar, he's a thief. Am I talking about anybody here? Anyway, he's, he's done a lot of stuff wrong, and yet God chose him, but he had to grab his birthright. You see, some of you don't know that in Christ, you have inherited birthright status. Somebody put an amen on that. Through Jesus Christ as the firstborn son of God, as God's only begotten son, Jesus received the kingdom from his father and he's Lord of all. And then he promises us to not only share it with us, but in John 17, you've heard me preach it over and over. John 17, 22, God says in his final prayer to God on the earth that's recorded besides on the cross, where he's saying, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? His final prayer that's recorded, which is the longest prayer that's recorded in Scripture, he says, God, you've given me your only son, your glory, your inheritance, the ability to do the impossible, the ability not just to have, but to have double. You've given me this ability to have everything on earth that you are in heaven. And now, John 17, 22, I give it to them. The power to do the impossible, the power to get double, the power to tap into, I'm God's son, I'm God's daughter. And according to Deuteronomy 28, 
that he will open his good treasure over your life. And whatever has your name on it is for you to grab. Whatever has your name on it is for you to seek. Ask, Matthew said, but it was quoting Jesus, and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For if a man asks for a fish, will God give him a stone? No. Back to Psalms. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. Oh, so much richness. You see, God wants us to know that we have a birthright waiting for us, but we cannot disrespect what God calls holy. Grab your birthright. Grab your birthright. Everybody reach up. Come on, reach up. Say this with me. Say, I'm grabbing my birthright starting right now in Jesus' name. God's got some stuff with your name on it. And guess what you've got to do? You've got to live a life that proves that you qualify for it. Not doing enough right, but just seeking him, asking him, loving him, understanding who you are in him. Here's the second last thing I want to tell you. Lessons from a heel grabber are the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It's not where you're going that matters most, but it's who you're becoming in the process. How many of y'all are going through something right now? You, can, you, can, you know what the something is. Man, I'm going through it. Can I tell you, keep going through it? But if you grow through what you go through, you'll create breakthrough. You see, it's not where you're going that matters most, yet that's what our focus is. It's who you're becoming in the process. I've coined a word, God incidents, because I don't believe in coincidence. When you're with God, there's only God incidences in your life. Here's what a God incidence is. It's a belief that nothing happens by chance or accident, but rather the steps of those who put their faith and trust in the Lord are directed by him. God incidents. I prophesy over you. God incidences are coming your way. 2018, you're going to move forward like never before. Come on, I believe that. Psalms 37 says it like this. The steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. He delights in his way. Now, here's the thing. Right away, you might say, man, I'm not that good. No, you're not. Me neither. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord will uphold him with his hand. I've been young, Jesus' great-great-grandfather said, And now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their descendants, those coming after them, begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Everybody say this with me. Say, my descendants, even the ones I don't know and can't see, with my natural eyes that are coming through my children and my children's children and in my family, I declare... On this day, March 18th, 2018, that they are blessed and not cursed in Jesus' name. Come on, put an amen on that. 
For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and they will dwell forever. Proverbs 24, verse 16. For a righteous man, watch this, a man who does things God's way, he may fall seven times and rise again. Matthew Henry said, the just man falls, sometimes falls seven times, perhaps into sin, sins of infirmity, through surprise of temptation, but he rises again by repentance, finds mercy with God, and he regains peace. With all of that said, listen very carefully, this word is for instruction, the Bible says. It's for reproof. It's for correction. It is a map. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. The Bible says if I'll hide God's word in my heart, that I will not sin against God. That though I fall, I will not be utterly cast down. For the Lord will uphold me, watch this, with his word. So listen to this. Here's the word of God. How many of y'all love the word of God? Come on. I hope you'll love the word of God. I've got a friend of mine. He really loves the word of God. He goes, I love the word of God. I love the word of God. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. So I love the word of God. Well, I don't like kiss the word of God, but I love the word of God. Okay, so, so look at Romans 8, 28. Very familiar passage of scripture to some of you, but let's take it into our heart right now. In fact, before I read it, say this with me. Say, God, help me right now to not just be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer starting now. And we know, who knows? Who knows? Those who believe, those who put their faith, those who put their trust in God. Trust in God. What do we know? All things work together for good. Then why is this thing messing you up so much? Why is that thing that happened 10 years ago messing you up so much? Why did what your daddy do to you or not do for you matter more than what that scripture says right there? Why are you still walking around broken, bruised, wounded, bitter, upset, angry, and mad if we know that all things work together for our good? How can when somebody walks out of your life work for your good? Because if they can leave, they should leave. There's a lot more I could say about that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's where I'm going to stop, but not all the way yet. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. What things, that me, what things mean that happen in our lives is the meaning that we give those things. What things mean that happen in our life is the meaning we give those things. But you don't understand what happened. No, 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 what I do understand, listening to you, is the meaning that you've given to that. No, but see, they hurt me. No, no, what I do understand is not whether they hurt you or whether they didn't hurt you, but the meaning that you give to that hurt. But you don't understand what I've been through. No, but what I do understand is the meaning that you're giving to your hurt that's hurting your future. So let me say it one more time. What things mean 
that happen in our lives is the meaning that we give those things. So let me give you the TBQ, the thought behind the quote. Everything that happens in our lives is not about the thing that happened. We are the ones that give meaning to the things that happen. And if we love God, if you love God, say, I love God. He works all things for our good. So the thing is not about the thing, but everything is about everything. We have the power of God in us to be able to put everything in the natural in a supernatural context. Now, I want you to stay with me here because it's a little bit deep, or at least I think it is. You see, I have a choice based on everything that happens. I can positively eternalize it or I can negatively internalize it. And so we go through life and negative things happen. And we take it deep because it hurt us deep. And all of a sudden, we don't even realize, but we have internalized something that's going to direct the external in our life. And we allow the negative to make us negative. We allow the hurt, hurt the thing, the people that have hurt us to cause us to hurt people. We allow the mean things that happen to make us mean. We, we negatively internalize because it hurts. It's real. And yet Jesus declared, I have come to heal the broken hearted. That means that your heart is going to be broken. I'm telling you, if you are 15 or under or over, I can't talk about more 15. I can't go back much further than that in my own memory. But if you're 15 and over, I can go back to 15. Your heart's been broken. If you're not 15 yet, don't worry, it's coming. (laughs) And there'll be a different kind of brokenness in your 20s than there is in your 30s. There'll be a different kind of brokenness in your 40s than there is in your 30s. And there'll be a different kind of brokenness in your 50s than there is in your 40s. There'll be a different kind of brokenness in your 60s. And it won't just be that the dogs die along the way, but people leave People die, people hate, people curse, people hurt, because hurt people hurt people. And so I have this power to say, what does that mean to me? If somebody was mean to me when I was growing up, if I had a parent that abused me, and by the way, I'm not saying this to expose my mom, but my mom might even be watching right now. And she would tell you that when I was about 35, she came to me weeping and said, I repent because I abused you. I knew she did emotionally and physically. And yet some people carry that through their whole life and they internalize it negatively and they allow everything on the outside to be messed up not based on what happened to them, but based on what they negatively internalized that they gave the wrong meaning to. You know what I decided? I wasn't going to be like that to my kids. You know what I decided? I was going to love them. And you know what I decided? I decided that I was going to speak a life over them. And you know what I decided? I decided that they would never hear me say, I hate you, but I would overwhelm them with the love of God. I decided that out of that mean situation that I was going to be a better person. And here's what I'm telling you. You can too. 
I'm on this stage today because I, through the power of God, these are not just little philosophies. These aren't just little theoretical thought processes that I'm giving you. I'm telling you, you have the power as a son and daughter of God to positively take a negative temporary situation and eternalize it and on the cross of your life say, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is not about me, it's about them, but guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna love, I'm gonna forgive, I'm gonna accept, and I'm gonna strive to be the best son of God, daughter of God on the earth that I can. And the way that I'm gonna process and give meaning to the negative things that have happened to me is to show me what I don't want in my family, what I don't want in my future, what I don't want for my descendants. So now I'm closing. Very quickly, the story accelerates. He gets the birthright. His father blesses him with the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob has Esau's blessing. Esau's ticked off about it, even though he's the one that gave it to him. And he goes after him. And Jacob's dad and mom says, you need to leave Beersheba. And you need to go, and you need to go, you need to go live your life. You need to go find a wife. And you need, so he takes off, and he goes to a place called Bethel, and I end on this. But it wasn't a place called Bethel. It was actually a place called Luz. And he gets there, and he's so tired, and he's so weary, and he's thinking, man, my life is over. I have a new normal. I can't even be with my family. I'm, I'm, some, I'm stuck in the middle. I'm, I have, my family's back there. It'll never be the same. My own brother, twin, hates me. I don't have any promise of a future. And he's somewhere in the middle of his own mess. Maybe that's you today. And the Bible says that he lays down and he takes a rock of all things and puts his head against the rock. You see, you can read that in scripture and think, well, I guess it's, that's a good pillow. Or you can understand what God's saying. Here's Jesus with Jacob. And he puts his head against the rock. And as uncomfortable as it is, he falls asleep. When you elevate your thinking, you elevate your life. And he has this vision. And he opens his eyes. And in this place called Luz, he sees the heavens opened. And God begins to speak to him. And he says, Jacob, you think you're in the middle of your mess. You think it's all over. You think Esau is going to kill you. you. You think all these things, but here's what I want you to know. The blessing that was on your grandfather Abraham, the blessing that was on your father Isaac, that blessing is on you, and you grab the birthright. And so the very land that you're laying on, I'm going to give you, but it's going to be so much more than that. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your name. This is the Abrahamic blessing because I am the God that's the same yesterday, today, Day and forever, and no matter what kind of mess you've caused, no matter what kind of stuff you're in, I am still God, and my word is still true, and my promises are going to come to pass for you. He's seeing this vision. Go ahead and be seated. I'm almost through. He sees this vision, and there's a ladder going from the earth to heaven. Listen to me now. Don't rush out. I'm about through. And there's angels descending 
and ascending. And he's just seeing all this and he wakes up. His head is against this rock. Jesus. You see, when you put your thinking, and you lay your thinking on the rock of Jesus, all of a sudden God begins to speak his word to you because Jesus is the word. And then your eyes are open and you see things that you thought you would never see and there's an open heaven. Hey, can I tell you, when we started this church, let me give you some great news. That's why I can't believe we don't have 100,000 people in our church. I keep trying to get out of the way. Okay, it's me, it's whatever. Okay, God, whatever. We'll get sweet little Josh. We'll do whatever we got to do. We got to reach 100,000 people. But listen, here's the thing. God spoke over our church when we started. Before there was a you, that over our church, there would be an open heaven. That meant over your business, there'd be an open heaven. Over your life, there'd be an open heaven. I really believe this stuff. God gave me this word. I, I believe it all the way. And so Jacob gets up. And here's what he says. Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. You know what happens to us in our life? We go from our Beersheba, wherever that is, to the next place. Maybe it's called Bethel, maybe it's called Luz, maybe it's called hell. And next week I'm gonna unveil this. I'm gonna show you in the life of Jacob, that he went from Beersheba to Bethel to the next stop was Haran. And we're going to talk about what happened at Haran and how God began to work in his life and it looked like it was going backwards because he was going backwards. And I'm going to tell you something, no matter where you are today in your life, you might feel like your life is going backwards. I came to tell you today, here's what Jacob did that you can do. He is the one, not God, who gave meaning to the rock and made it an altar and named it Bethel. Surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. He said, how awesome is this place? And then for the first time in scripture, the house of God, we're sitting in the house of God today, years later, but 1800 years before Jesus came, he said, this is the house of God. I'm gonna call this place Bethel. Here's what he was prophesying. When you know who your tribe is, when you know who your family of choice is, when you know where your Bethel is, and if it's called Elevate Life Church, welcome to the place where God's gonna give you a ladder to heaven. He's gonna give you a ladder to your next level. I'm prophesying over you now that in this place, I believe with all my heart as we give meaning to people, places and things. God is going to open the windows of heaven. He is going to give us a ladder and we're going to go places we thought we would never go. We're going to see things we thought we would never see. Some of you are going to have more money than you thought you would ever have because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I don't know why God's put you on this earth, but I can tell you he has a plan and he has a purpose and guess what? You're his son and you're his daughter and there's things in heaven that have just your name and your family and your descendants name on them so why don't we grab it come on why don't we grab it why don't we claim it why don't we believe it thanks for listening to this week's podcast 
make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.